Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. So I get to speak to you now, uh, just briefly this morning. Uh, we have monthly themes, uh, the way that we like to focus on the messages for the month. And so this month, uh, we're looking at Emmanuel, uh, God with us. And that's probably a word that you're going to hear outside of church circles. It's written in a lot of Christmas cards. Uh, you may see it in nativity scenes at different locations. And so it's probably more familiar around this time of the year than at any other time of the year. And so aligned with that, if you're into titles, um, I've got a title for my message this morning, which is God with us comma, always. Because God is always with us, uh, not just in, uh, in the great times, but in the not so great times. And so we're just going to explore a couple of key points this morning, helping you to understand and see directly from the Bible how God talks about the fact that he is always with us, no matter what our circumstances are. So my first point this morning then is uh, God with us, comma, intentionally. It's not by mistake that God is always with us. It's not because he feels sorry for us that he's always with us. It's his, been his design and his plan from the very beginning, right from creation when he created the heavens and the earth and he created Adam and Eve and the garden and, and everything else on this beautiful planet that we live on. It was God's original intention that he would always be with us. And if you read back in Genesis, you'll see that he wanted uh, humans to not be alone. And so uh, when he created Adam, he created Eve. Uh, And then the whole concept of us being around for each other. So within human to human, there's a great need uh, that uh, we have intentional connection with each other. But God also wanted that original intentional connection. And he certainly did do that. He's always been with us. I think the ultimate way that we can recognise that in modern times is 2019 years ago, something significant happened, the birth of Jesus. So in modern times, Jesus actually was with us. And of course, Jesus, uh, being God, he was physically with us on the earth. And uh, you know, you hear in, uh, in our modern day society, some people will say, well, if God's real, I want him to prove it. If God's real, then I want to see him physically. It's like, well, been there, done that, got the T-shirt kind of thing. We already had had that with Jesus. But he's always been with us. But Jesus was a physical manifestation of that. And who knows that when you connect with another human being, you see a different perspective of them. If you just see a photo of somebody, you can come to conclusions. If you just hear about somebody, you can come to conclusions. But when you meet somebody face-to-face and you walk with them, and they walk with you, and you converse with them, and they help you, and they minister to you, you get a whole different level of understanding about who somebody really is. And those disciples that had the amazing privilege of physically walking with Jesus uh, for those three years of his ministry, they saw the intentional side of God about how he so wanted to be with them and be involved in every part of their lives. Well, that same Jesus, we don't see him physically anymore, but he's just as powerful, just as real. And he's interested in every part of our lives, just like he was with those disciples that actually walked with him. I'm going to show you a few scriptures this morning. I could show you lots and lots of them, but I just want to show you a few to see from the Bible that as you read it, you will also see uh, how God speaks about this. So our first passage here is uh, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. uh, Which says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. 
And it's a very interesting time, Christmas, I think. Of course, it's celebrating the birth of Christ, but that was the beginning of it. And you almost need to package the two things together. And one of those two things I'm talking about, I'm talking about Easter. Because before Jesus needed to get born so that he could then die for us. And so I think put the two of them together because we need to celebrate Christ's birth. But it wasn't just celebrating that, you know, some child got born somewhere. It was a son of man who got born. And he came so that he would die for each of us. So that's an incredibly significant event, which Galatians talks about. But I really like the first line of uh, that scripture that we were looking at. So if you just pop that back for a second, thanks, Colton. Uh, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. There are no conditions on that scripture. There's no asterisks uh, from the Bible version that I looked at or any other version I've ever seen. And by that we mean there's no disclaimers. Christ lives in me. So if you believe in Jesus and accept him into your heart, and if that hasn't been uh, an experience so far for you, we'll have an opportunity towards the end of the service so that you can actually do that. But when this says Christ lives in me, then that means he's alive. It's a permanent state of being. And it's Christ's intention that he bees with us. So he's with us all of the time, even if you don't feel it or not. And, you know, sometimes it's really hard to accept that something is true. But whether you believe something is true, no matter what it is, it doesn't stop it from being true. If something is true, something is true. For example, tonight's uh, sunset. I, I did a, uh, a search on this one. The sun sets tonight at 7.13 p.m. Who believes me? Most of you think, okay, well, he's up here. He's obviously a, a trustworthy kind of a person. Yes, I am. And unless I uh, misread the data, the sun sets at 7.13 p.m. tonight. But we're not going to know that. You don't know that right now because the sun is shining. The only way that you will know that what I've said to you is true is you've got to wait until 7.30 p.m. tonight and go, okay, yeah, there's a sunset. And if you want to prove that, probably the best way is down the beach. Uh, And you could do that because our p.m. service finishes at 6.30. So you could get there by uh, 7.13 p.m. But the only way that you know that, you've got to actually be there. Now, you might not believe that. And you could say, I don't believe that. Well, unless something cataclysmically happens to the earth and the universe and everything else, the sun is going to set tonight at that time, whether you believe it or not. Your unbelief doesn't change something from being true. Whether you can get that doesn't change it from being true. The truth is the truth. And there's no such things as different versions of the truth. They're called lies, basically. So the truth is the truth. And you know that all of us, we can increase our faith level. We can accept that the things of God actually do happen, that the things of God that he talks about in his word, we can accept that those things really are true. And you know what? We are all experts in believing the unbelievable. We're all experts with a level of faith. Whether you actually believe in God or not, you are still an expert in believing things that can't sometimes necessarily be proven. So here's a familiar sound to most people. What normally accompanies that sound? Knock, knock. And no, this is not the beginning of a next knock, knock bad joke, although I'm sure there are many of them around. But typically, if, if you're at home and there's the knock, knock on your door, unless you've got uh, a remote video camera, which you can get these days, or you've got one of those little peep holes through the door, if you can't see on the other side of the door and you hear a knock on the door, and this probably would happen more so at night time rather than during the day, more than likely you're going to come up with a reply of, who's there? 
Now, you may or may not recognise the voice. If you do recognise the voice, according to who they say they are, then hopefully if you've got a good relationship with them, you'll probably open the door and let them in. But at that point in time, you can't see that person. You are exercising a level of faith. You are believing in something that you can't see. There's a familiarity, of course, but they might have had a recording on their mobile phone and replayed that voice, trying to trick you into something. So you have a level of faith to open up a door to somebody that you can't see, but you believe it's somebody on the other side. So that's you exercising faith already. It's no different than in the Bible. How about the other option? The phone rings. And let's go back, I don't know, 30 years pre-cell phones and pre-caller ID. And caller ID actually also became available on landline telephones as well. But the phone would ring, you would answer it. And again, if you recognize the voice, as soon as they start talking, you would believe that it is the other person on the other end of the line. But again, you can't see them. We're talking 30 years ago, so we're not talking about FaceTiming here. 30 years ago, you would have to just believe that that voice is that particular person. How about going really old school, getting birthday cards through the post, snail mail. Again, you open up the card and if you can recognise the writing and if I ever send you a card, you will need to pray for interpretation uh, because my handwriting is not that great. I'm convinced I actually uh, write in tongues. It's just like so unbelievably not able to be read. But if you could read the handwriting Normally we sign off cards and we put what our name is. But again, somebody could have forged my signature. Good luck trying. That could be the case. So again, you are exercising belief in something that you don't really know all the facts, but you're just accepting it at a certain level based on the handwriting that is in there. So when I tell you all, and myself included, that we are experts in faith and believing in things, we really are. I just don't know why we make that more complicated when it comes to the things of God, the God who created everything. It's actually easy. We're kind of much already there. So it might be that you don't get a phone call from God. But you know what? With this knocking sound, God actually does knock on the door of our heart. And he says that in the Bible. And if you say genuinely in your heart who's there, you're going to get a reply. You're going to get a sense and know that it is God, that it's Jesus that is knocking on the door of your heart. Now, you might not get a snail mail letter from God or a postcard, but you know what? God has already written to all of us. It's called the Bible. It's the most amazing book ever. It's incredibly personal. It was written to every single one of you. And none of this mail merge kind of stuff, if you know what that means, It's written specifically to every single one of us. It's God pouring out his heart. It's God revealing himself. It's God telling us about himself and him telling us about ourselves because he created us. And more than just a letter that perhaps might put a smile on your face or more than a postcard that might go, oh, wow, that's where my friend or my loved one is in the other part of the world and that was nice to hear from them. The word of God is alive. It says that. And if you open your heart to it, when you read things, words will jump off the page. When you read things, you might have read them many, many times before. But in some instances, you'll be reading it and all of a sudden you'll go, wow, I didn't realise it said that. I didn't know that it meant that. Well, when you read the TV guide, that probably doesn't happen. Whatever's on TV tonight is on TV tonight. You can read it three times over. It's going to be the same. But God's word is alive 
And so when you read it, it speaks to you because you are also alive. That's an amazing letter. And uh, if that's not a way of God showing that he's with us, I really don't know what is. And so as I finish off that first point there about God being with us intentionally, that's part of his intention is to give us the Bible and tell us all the things that he wants us to know about him and the ability to have eternal life uh, with him. So that's amazing stuff, I think. So that's point number one, God with us intentionally. Uh, my second point then, God with us, comma, regardless. God is with us regardless. And uh, this, is, this is a real challenge sometimes, and I've had instances where my mind has begun the thought process of, is God still with me? Because stuff happens in life, not always great stuff. But I know ever since I've accepted Jesus into my heart, ever since I've been walking with God, whenever my mind has been about to think of the, is God still with me? The immediate answer is absolutely yes. It might not change the circumstances at that moment, but because I know God, I know who he is, I know that he's faithful, that he's true, that he's always the same yesterday, today and forever, I know that regardless of what is going on, regardless of the situations, regardless of how I feel, and my emotions are the worst indicator as to whether God is real or not, regardless of whatever is happening, I know that God is with us. He's always with me. And so no matter what the situations are, and that's not discounting situations and things that happen that can be incredibly traumatic and and distressing and they can present an unknown future at that point. It doesn't change all that, and I'm not saying that doesn't affect us. But I know that if you know that God is real, that he is with you, then you can have a trust that he will work those things out for you. So in spite of that, in spite of troubles, we know that God is always with us. And you know what? Troubles don't surprise God. And unfortunately, we live in a world that these things do happen. And because God so loves us, he told us about that as well. He warned us in advance, but he also gives us the promise. If you don't believe me, have a look at this passage of scripture. This is John 16 and verse 33. This is Jesus speaking. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus is saying, you will have trouble. And he wasn't just saying this to two or three people. It wasn't a you know, selective number of people. He's saying it to all of us, myself included. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So there's no conditions in there. Unfortunately, we're all going to experience trouble, whatever trouble means. But he is with us and Jesus has overcome the world. So there's a promise there that we can move through and beyond and recover from whatever it is that might be happening to us. Do you know, even, even when we sin, and we all do that, sadly, I wish we didn't, I wish I didn't, but uh, we're struggling through this life in this planet that we have. And so even when we fall short, when we, when we stumble, when we do things that we shouldn't do, God is still with us. Now, if you don't uh, repent, repent is, a, I suppose, a, a, a religious way of saying change, try to stop doing it, try and do better. That's basically what repent means. In that moment or in those times when you've done something and you realise, yeah, I've dropped the ball here, I've done something that I shouldn't have done, and, and this is you know, sin, I understand that I shouldn't have done this to God, there can be that distance, that separation, that gap. It's like if you have an argument with somebody. You know, there's the expression of, gee, you could really cut the, cut the knife, cut, cut the air with a knife. You know, we feel that sense of, mm, something's not quite right here. Well, 
God's in relationship with us. And so when we fall short of the mark, if we sin, there is that barrier that uh, uncomfortable in us between us and God. But he's still with us. Just like if you're with a love person, Love one and there's some sort of a disagreement. They're still with you. They're still in your life. There's just some, some gaps, some distance. There's some, some repairing that needs to happen. And God's always right there. We just, all we need to do is reach out to him and say, God, I'm sorry, I've sinned. Please forgive me. And right there, he's with us again. So even in regards with that, God is still with us. It doesn't really matter whatever we've gone through. Another passage of scripture that talks about that. Now, this time, this is Romans chapter 8. And verses 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation. You get all that? They're like, it doesn't matter what's going on, whatever the situations are, whatever you have done, whatever someone may have done to you, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, I love the fact that there are so many examples here uh, that is listed in Romans 8. No matter what has been going on in your life, here's the next amazing part. None of these will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. None of those things can ever separate us from the love of God. Now that doesn't mean that it doesn't separate us from the feeling of God's love because when we are so emotionally distressed, and you know that God's given us emotions, We can feel distant from God. We can feel that God is not there. Just like you can feel that your best friend now hates you. That may be true. That may not be true. But our emotions are the worst indicators of reality. Our emotions don't dictate what is actually true or not. They're just what we're thinking at that particular moment. So that's why we need to go back to, you know, the old saying, put it in writing. Put it in writing. Well, great. God did that for us. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. And so I know for myself again that when I've got stuff that I'm going through, I try and put my emotions aside and I just declare the word of God. I say what the Bible says. I read it out aloud. I hold on to promises in God's word that really speak to me and I just say those. And when I, and if I can be really honest here this morning, when I start saying those initially, my head doesn't necessarily believe it. But I know that it is truth. And so I speak it because truth is truth, whether I believe it or not, whether I feel it or not, whether my emotions testify to that or not, it doesn't change the fact that the truth is the truth. And so can I encourage you, you need to speak out God's word. When you're going through tough times, you need to hold on to that promise. When you think that God is not with you, grab some verses that say that he is because he is. And you just need to say those. And you might need to say that for half an hour and you still might not think that it's true. You still might not believe that it's true. But again, it doesn't matter what you think, what you feel. The truth is the truth. And God is with us no matter what those circumstances are, no matter what those situations are. God is unmovable. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And I love the fact that he put it in writing and said, there it is. It's unchangeable. No one can sway me. It's not according to what did that person say. God says here, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Now, of course, the way that we get to allow God's word to change us is that we need to get God's word inside of us. You can't just read it once and memorize it unless you've got a photographic memory. But even if you do, you've still got to get it into your heart. 
And, you know, this is common. We just celebrated a couple uh, who celebrated their 45th wedding anniversary. Now, I'm sure that they have said the words, I love you, more than once. Well, surely once was enough, wouldn't it? Surely, you know, I said it, there it is. Fact established. Well, that's true. But it's great to hear the truth. It's great to hear an expression of that over and over again. So if we say, I love you, so many times to loved ones, spouses, children, people that we really have a great connection with, if we say that continually, why is that? We want to reinforce it. We want to make sure that we get that true understanding. We want to convey our love and affection to others. We want them to know that on a regular basis, and we want them to hear that from us. And so therefore, we need to read God's word over and over again to get it deeper into our hearts. And not just for the sake of memory verses. I'm not a great fan of memory verses so that you rattle it off so that you can quote a particular scripture for the sake of quoting it. I mean, if it's meaningful to you, that's great. But if it's just rote memory, if it's just to be able to recite it, like, um, you know, the letters of the alphabet, well, then that's not releasing the true power of God's word. But if it gets into your heart and out of your heart, you can then recite it by memory. Awesome. That's a great thing to be able to do. Because the Word of God is alive. It's about changing our perspective, changing our hearts. Here's another scripture for you. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now with this, with God telling us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, you know what that tells me? We can God never tells us to do something that we can't. He never guides us to do something that is not possible. So can our minds be transformed? Absolutely. They get renewed because God tells us his word is truth. And again, like sunset tonight, you might have difficulty right now believing that. Okay, think about the sunset. God says that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So therefore we can. Now, the only way that you will do that is by reading God's word, because he's the transformer. He's the one who needs to do this. And so as we continue on, the second part of Romans 12, 2 says, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. How are you ever going to know what God's will is unless you read the Bible? That's the way you do it. So the secret, not that it's a big secret, Your mind will get transformed because God promises that. How? By reading his word. That's how we do it, to approve God's will. That's how you learn anything. If you get a new piece of equipment, um, there's that uh, book that's hardly ever open. It's called the Instruction Manual. But if you really want to know how something works and how to assemble it, um, then you need to read the instruction manual, looking at the box, looking at all the spare parts, unless you're an incredibly naturally gifted engineer mindset, you're never going to know how the whole thing is meant to get put together unless you read the instructions, you read the guide as to what to do with these things. Well, you need to read God's word, the guide. That's how we get transformed in our mind, by reading what God wants us to do, how he wants us to live our lives. And if you think, well, can my mind really be that powerful? Can what I'm thinking about significantly change my life and what I'm going through and what my circumstances are? Absolutely. Now, here's an example that I'm sure all of you are going to be able to relate to. You've been, you've been in a shop, you've grabbed something that you're about to buy, you're standing in line, and there's this little thought in your mind, you're going, oh, 
I don't know if I really want this or I don't know if I really need it. I rarely use those words when I'm shopping. Needing has got nothing to do with it. It's all about want for me. I'm a professional consumer shopper and I love it. But occasionally I'm there as well and I'm going, oh, I don't know if I really want this. And at that point, the whole world changes if you change your mind. If you decide, I don't want this, then normally what would happen is that you'd hop out of that queue unless it's just one item and you'd dump that item somewhere and then continue on with whatever else you've got. But if you've... And that's what shopkeepers are for. But <laughs> it's all about helping the economy, everyone, no matter what they do. But if you've just got that one item and you have changed your mind, then you will hop out of that queue. And quite possibly, the people behind you might not be as appreciative of you changing your mind. They go, oh, you, I was waiting in queue and you've, you've wasted all this time. But there are huge implications for that. Now, it's a small thing, but it's a big thing. When you have that phrase of, I've changed my mind, there's impact. There's change. You no longer purchase whatever that item is. The people behind you are probably grateful because now they're going to get served just that little bit more. 45 seconds earlier, it's a lifetime sometimes for some people. So in saying, I've changed my mind, there are huge implications just in doing that. So why do you think God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind? He knows that if we renew our mind, if we change our mind, there are huge implications. Now, exchange that shopping example with, I don't know, anything else that might be in your life. And you start to see the power of us being able to change our mind, of us being able to renew our mind. And there are untold benefits in being able to do something like that. So as I just wrap up this message, one final thing I want to have on here. So I'll just ask the worship team, guys, if you could uh, come. Thank you very much. And I read this just about a week and a half ago, um, again, about the whole mind thing. And uh, there was a result on uh, health and nutrition studies. And uh, I kind of like chuckled to myself when I read this because it really was no surprise to me, even though um, I didn't have all the facts. It's just the headline itself made me think, well, of course. The amazing findings. So hold on to your seats here, okay? The amazing findings are that if you eat unhealthy food, as in high in sugar, high in fat, cholesterol, all that stuff. If you eat that, you want more. And the more you eat, the more you want. Now, who thinks I'm lying right now? There's a spirit of mockery up here. I'm just like telling you fibs. Not at all. I can attest to that, unfortunately. It's true. And the scientists have actually done a study on this now, which they released just a week or so ago, and that they scientifically proved that the more of the high-fat and the high-sugar food you eat, it re, they use this phrase, it rewires the brain to make you want to eat more of it. That's amazing. Something that we do, something as trivial as just choosing what we put in our mouths, actually has the capability and it does rewire our brain. I just thought that was absolutely phenomenal. And you know what? They said that once we recognise that, we realise, well, if eating all this bad stuff rewires the brain in a negative sense, then they wanted to come up with solutions to reverse that. And they actually used this phrase that your mind could actually be renewed. Sound familiar? The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here are secular scientists saying you can renew your mind by your actions, by your choices, by the act of your will. And like 
God's word is way more important uh, than chocolates and deep fried whatever. So when he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it's an incredible promise, it's an incredible truth, it's an incredible reality that he's giving us. And it's as sure as the sun setting at 7.13pm tonight. Now, here's the catch. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to do that. Otherwise, you're not going to have anything to help bring about that transformation of your mind. You're not going to be able to know what God's will is if you don't read what he says in the Bible. So I think that's uh, incredible, incredible stuff. Let me finish off with this. It's a, a poem that uh, some of you might need. And uh, it's, uh, sorry, some of you might uh, recognise. It's called Footprints in the Sand. I think it's very touching. Um, it's actually, I again read a report on this this week, uh, there's actually three different authors that theoretically wrote the poem, so there's a bit of arguments there, so I'm not going to quote who it might be because people aren't really sure, but I'm sure you've all heard of it, Footprints in the Sand, if you haven't, have a listen to this. One night I dreamed a dream, as I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. From each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to the Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times in my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, that you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you, never ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. So God is with us always. God is with us intentionally and God is with us despite all things. But the only way that you're going to know that that is true is if you know Jesus and you accept him into your heart. And so in this moment right now, I'm just going to ask for privacy for your behalf and everybody else. So if I could ask everybody just to uh, please close your eyes and uh, bow your heads. And if you're a Christian here, then if you could just be in a prayerful attitude at this very important time. Because I want to give you the opportunity right now to prove, just like the sun's going to set at 7.30pm tonight, I want to prove to you that Jesus is real and all you need to do is accept him into your heart. I'm going to help you with that because I'm going to pray a prayer and we're all going to pray that with you as well. And you can make this prayer your own. And if you pray this prayer, uh, then uh, I'll tell you in a few moments what you can do as a result of that. But all that's going to happen is we're going to pray a simple prayer. I'd encourage you to pray it along with us and that's all it will take to have Jesus into your heart. So let's pray. Father God, I accept Jesus as my Lord. I give my life to you and my future. In Jesus' name, amen. It's that simple. Now, another way that you can reinforce that, or perhaps if you weren't quite ready to pray that, then up on the screen here, uh, we've got a special uh, text number that you can text to. All you need to do is text the word yes uh, to this number, 0488 826 392. Just text the word yes 
And if that's you meaning, yes, I want to accept Jesus into my heart, then God will understand that. And that's a way that you can accept him into your heart. And then what will happen is that we will send you a Bible verse and a sample prayer that you can pray for the next 30 days. Your details are held by this church. We don't give you details to anybody else. So it's us. This is Metro Church sending you those prayers and those Bible verses for the next 30 days just to start you on your journey. Um, If you're listening to this on the podcast or watching on YouTube and maybe you're not in Australia, that mobile number won't work for you, but you can go to our website, yes.metrochurch.org.au, sign up there with your email and you'll get exactly the same thing. If you've said yes this morning, uh, you prayed that or you're considering doing that, then we would love to spend a little bit of time with you. We've got our, what we call our Connect Hub. As you leave the auditorium doors, just to the left-hand side there, you'll see the big sign Connect Hub. We've got a great team of people there uh, that would love uh, to talk with you a little bit more, give you a Bible if you love one. We want to give you that also. Um, or you can just contact us anytime that you want during the week through our website. Love to be a part of that.